0: at work, or on a team. Your first coaches were your mom and dad who taught you how to communicate, tie your shoes, or play a simple game of catch. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Rafael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching.
1: Hi, I'm Sifu Rafael, and this is the Coaching Call podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoy my show, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. To donate, go to paypal.me slash raphael. That's S-I-F-U-R-A-F-A-E-L. I'm trying to keep this podcast free of advertisements. Anything you can donate is greatly appreciated. Thank you. And
0: being humans, you know, we resist that. You know, we want what we want and we want it right now. So we are raised and socialized into a world that has made it okay for us to do whatever we want to do in order to get what we want to get.
1: My guest today is Branch Isolay. Branch is an author, storyteller, and poet. Branch writes about strength of choice to change consequences. He's known worldwide for contemporary short stories that reveal emotions and issues often experienced, but not always voiced. Branch, thank you so much for joining me on Coaching Call. How are you today?
0: Good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you.
1: Likewise. I'm doing phenomenal now that we're talking, right? Amen. Yes, sir. You know, I, I do have to ask the question because you have a very different name, branch. Tell me how that came about.
0: Well, as a younger man, you know i I grew up immersed in our culture and our society, and so uh, after school, I got into the corporate world and was um, heavily invested in corporate success and you know individual accolades and growth in the material and that wasn't fulfilling for me and so i decided i needed to you know get on a different path and and real quickly i went into a search for truth and what that was and, and how i could apply it into my life because i found that my behavior towards others was basically focused on my own interests, you know, Mm -hmm. regardless of the harm that it might have caused. So in my search for truth, that led me to um, Eastern religions and philosophies. And I was raised a Christian, but not a practicing Christian. So I had that in my background, but I didn't know, you know, the depth of it. So in my decision to change my life, I decided that I needed to also change my name. And so I, I kept thinking about it. And I thought, well, I know I, I want my last name to be I S O L E, Isole. But at the time, I didn't realize it was a word. In another, it's in, in Italian and French, it both means something. But for me, it was, I serve only Lord Emmanuel. Mm. And I knew that, you know, I wanted that to be my last name. And I didn't, I thought, well, I like Joshua. Maybe I'd like to pick Joshua. And what's interesting is, for two years, I didn't do anything about it. You know, I knew I had the last name, but I made no effort to move forward on the on the first name. Right. And at the time, I happened to be living in Hawaii, and I was doing a Bible study with a young couple. And I opened up the Bible randomly, and I looked down, and I was at Zechariah three eight, and that in Zechariah says, "I will raise up Joshua, my branch." And at that moment, the Lord intervened into my life and said, that's your new name. Mm. Now, if you know in anything about biblical scripture, when the Lord calls you and gives you a new name, if you accept, then you then become, you know, his servant and your commission is to serve in his name. So that's how it came about. It, it wasn't my given name, but it was my taken name for, you know, this next part of my life. Or my journey uh, from the material more into the spiritual
1: that's that's really really amazing and thank you so much for sharing that because a, a lot of people it's it, you know everybody says what's in a name right but you you created because you you I, to me what I'm hearing is that you needed to identify yourself right and and you asked for the higher power right spiritual part of your going from material to spiritual and it it came to you and and that's a beautiful 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 thing so many of us we like myself i think i lucked out with my name because i didn't know what it meant but i have been told many a times that my name means of god i may be wrong or i may be close to it but that's what i've been told many times it is a name that was given to me, and that was my father's name as well. And, you know, it's, it's also how we interpret what we do with what we've been given, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. So you, you went into the business world, the corporate world. At one point, you made a decision, I think we talked about this, you and I, before, to write a few books. Okay, let's say a lot of books. You've written how many books now?
0: Well, we're at 22.
1: Wow, congratulations.
0: But, uh, you know, I, I thank you. I, I never thought of myself a, as a writer. I was just an average student in school. And, you know, writing as a profession came to me very late in life, more so than a lot of writers who, you know, have that fulfilling need early on. So uh, I intended to only write one book.
2: Mm.
0: And that, that was my first book. And again, it was... It was sort of a spiritual calling. You know, I'd known a lot of fallen away Christians. And on my journey, I'd run into a lot of people who were seeking and searching and were not being fulfilled in their organized, you know, church or synagogue or temple. And I thought, you know, there's for those people who are still on that journey, that that struggle to find more of that spiritual balance for them. You know, that's the book I want to write about. And that was my first book. And I just thought, well, this is it. It's out. And this is what my direction was. Right. And I was sitting out on the, um, on the gazebo looking over the water while we lived in Hawaii. And I had this thought and I thought how frightening it would be to be in the water, you know, um, abandoned. If, if you had been on a boat that sunk and you were the survivor and you were bobbing in the water. Uh, in the middle of the ocean, all the kind of frightening thoughts that would go through your mind Mm. and all of the kind of self-reflective things, you know, you might think of knowing that your chances of survival were pretty small. And from that came my first, you know, short story and subsequently, you know, 18 books later, Mm. I'm still writing. So that was the authorship journey from well, I guess I need to write one book to now number 22. Well,
1: Congratulations. Thank you. That, that one thought created your, your journey, right?
0: Exactly.
1: That, that path that you're on, and you're still doing it. How old were you, if you don't mind me asking, when you did write your first book?
0: I was 50.
1: Mm, it's never late for us to accomplish something, right?
0: Amen. Yeah, it's never too late. As long as we're here and we're breathing and our mind is active, you know, regardless of the challenges, there's that hope and that goal somewhere in the back of our minds. And it's just a matter of triggering that to, to put it into action. Now You're never too
1: late. And, you know, one of the things that you talked about earlier is that you were with a couple and you were doing Bible study. And you said that you did not, you kind of grew up Christian, but not really, not practicing. What made you go back to even do Bible study?
0: That's a great question. As I said, you know, I was not really interested in going to the church. So I was in that search for truth and what that the essence of being truthful in one's life looks like. You know, I started studying because I'd had a little bit of Christianity in my background. I thought, well, I need to learn what other people in the world are thinking and Mm. and, you know pursuing in their lives so that's what led me outside of christianity and as i started studying and reading i kept seeing the same focus no matter who the master was whether it was buddha or muhammad or um, you know the the eastern hindu Vishnu. and i i started seeing that the core of what they were saying Mm. all of them as teaching masters we're basically talking about this relationship, this one-on-one relationship with God, with something mm-hmm. you know higher and outside of ourselves. Right. And so it was that spiritual focus that sort of led me down that path. And um, coming back to Christianity, what basically made me come back was all of the other masters were talking about the relationship one could have with God this higher being higher source and Jesus Christ Jesus of Nazareth was the only one that I could find who admitted and accepted that role as the mediator between man and God so that's what brought me back to christianity and and from there you know I started my second kind of journey into living spiritually instead of just perhaps think i thinking i knew about it and talking about it
1: at what age did that happen for you because a lot of people they either have an actual experience that makes them go back or it, it just maybe they woke up one day and said you know i need to do this thing so at what age did, did, did that happen to you and what was that 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 moment if you can recall um yeah the uh, i uh, I know I ask the deeper questions, don't I? <laughs> uh, no, no,
0: it, it's, it's not that. And I'm happy to answer, you know, and, and I will answer truthfully. Um, most A lot of people won't believe it, but that's okay, too. I started that, that search journey at 35, mm. and that lasted for five years. And at that point, I had, you know, pretty much decided, okay, I'm back at ground zero. I'm back at square one. And one night I got up and I was living alone and I, I in a small apartment and I was walking from the bedroom to the bathroom and I was half asleep and a voice in the living room called my name. And I was so startled that I just turned around and said, what? And there was no one there. Mm. And at the time I was living outside of the law and was engaged in a lot of illegal activities and uh one month later while i was on a trip out of state um i was arrested and thrown into jail and went for an arraignment and uh, the judge said well you know you're looking at 99 years in prison Mm. so i'll see you back here at trial and i made bail and i got out and i i went where i was to back where i was living in another state and i thought well this is truly the end for me and i hadn't thought much about voice in that time well three months later some policemen showed up at my door and they said um we are here to let you know that the case against you has been dropped and at, at that when i found out why it was dropped which is a whole different story I realized that, you know, that voice that called my name, uh, I realized that was, you know, a spiritual messenger. And mm. from that moment on, I, I, my whole life changed and my path changed. And so for the last 35 years, I've been on a different path.
1: Congratulations. It's like you were giving a second chance at life, wasn't it?
0: it- Definitely, um, yeah. I was facing, you know, a long, hard life for ninety-nine years or more or less. And you know, when that door slammed on that jail cell, I knew I was in trouble. Um, if you've ever been in the confined situation where you do not have any means of escape, you suddenly realize how much has been taken away from you. Mm-hmm. And that you are now at the mercy of, you know, other people. Right. And, you know, that that's, that's an eye-opening and awakening experience. So at that point, you know, for me, I knew my life was going to have to be different. And I had that, you know, that seed had been planted that I wanted to pursue. The other thing that's interesting a lot of people don't, you know, realize or understand is it was, you know, another... 10 years of walking that path before I ever truly got back to ground zero on my new path. So it wasn't an overnight situation. Right. Um you know I had the I had the the voice and then I had the jail situation and then several years later you know I had the name change situation. And that still wasn't enough. There were still another 3 years of struggle and work and trying to understand you know, Who am I? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? So it was a 10-year journey mm. just from the realization to the point where, okay, I think I know what I'm supposed to do. And it's interesting because now, 25 years later, that path has redefined itself. And I'm at a place where I actually know what this whole spiritual journey has been about. So it's it's not an overnight, you know, it's a growth situation that takes time. You know, scripture tells us that the Lord's time is different from our time. That's right. <laughs> and and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people get their revelation, whatever that may be, and say, you know, okay, now I get it, now I understand, change my life. Mm-hmm. And those things take time. And and that's what I always try and encourage people who are new to a spiritual path is, you know, it's going to take time and it's going to take growth. and, And you know, you may hit some real rough spots or some tests and trials, but it's, it's all about that journey. It's all about continuing to grow, to be who you truly are and who you can be. And so, it's um, you know I'm I'm interested and in, and in waiting anxiously or eagerly to see what this next phase in my life brings uh, because it's it's a maturation I've gone from milk to meat mm. as the Bible says and All right and now I'm getting closer to being prepared
1: nice and you talked about that revelation right how everyone has their own timing and you even spoke about the Lord, his timing is different than what we think our timing should be, right? You know, even for myself, and and I appreciate you sharing your story with us and being so candid, Um, a lot of people may want to not talk about a situation like what you were in, and I I really, really appreciate you being candid with us. But, you know, even for myself, um, when it came to spirituality, I, for a long time, left the Roman Catholic Church, because that's how I grew up, and it, I was also in that journey of what do I need? I, I need something, right? So it was that that search for something. I've read the Quran. I've done other things. I've looked at things. What is out there? What is out there? I've read the Bible. I didn't understand the Bible. I put it down. I was angry with it. I'm like, this is so ridiculous. It's contradictory. It's all these different things. And then I think I became enlightened by just giving in. And so I, I was talking to someone, actually one of my, my clients, and, and she said to me that she goes to a church. And I said, well, that's interesting. I've always passed that church. And then she told me a little bit more about it. And I said, oh, interesting. And I told her that I, this is something that I wanted to do. And she said, she kind of used to be Roman Catholic and now she just, she's at a Christian church and it's so different than everything. So I said, you know what? Give it a try. And it's, it's definitely what I was looking for. It's, it's different from what I've known and it's allowed me to really explore me and to re- start to reread the Bible where I, now I am reading Two Bibles, (laughs) as you can see, right? One is New Believer's Bible, and the other one is the—I can't even tell you. (laughs) It is the the King James Bible, right? And then I also have an app where um, it's the—it's called the U Version, and you can look at all the different types of Bibles and all the different um, understandings of it. And so now I have a deeper. And a better understanding because I'll read one Bible and then I'll go and read the same verse in a different Bible and it's slightly this, it's the same, but it's slightly different. And so it gives me a little better understanding. And with the U version, it allows me to go into a different thing where it, it, it lets me, it even tells me what I'm supposed to be, the message I'm supposed to be reading. It is so not only invigorating, but so eye opening to me because it allows me to see it from a whole different perspective than I had earlier on when I started that research like you did. And it, it really has enlightened me where I can see things. My life has had the, the cycle, if you will, where it's, it, it's all had meaning. And sometimes we don't know that meaning to our life until we actually start to put perspective into it. So this is why I'm excited to talk to you today.
0: Oh, thank you. You know, you've, you've said so many poignant things just now. The number one thing, as you mentioned, is surrender. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have to come to that place in our lives. Some people call it rock bottom or, you know, the last chance. We have to come to a place where we actually want to surrender to something greater than ourselves and you know we live in a world that that only wants us to surrender to the ways of the world and and that's the world we're born into and the world we grow up in so it's natural for us to cling to you know and want to be part of that that's what we know and any exposure that we might have to religion um be it organized or unorganized or or spirituality you know, that's an encroachment upon our human values and take on things. And it's sort of the outsider trying to get in. Mm-hmm. And yet innately, because we all live with a spirit, you know, within us that came from God as the creator, innately, there's always that that voice or that little angel on our shoulder and the devil on our shoulder, you know, trying to give us instruction and direction Mm -hmm. and being humans you know we resist that you know we want what we want and we want it right now so you know we are raised and socialized into a world that has made it okay for us to do whatever we want to do in order to get what we want to get and we see that in our society you know in our world every day now oh yeah and so that surrender is is the real key and and once we're willing to surrender you know then the next big question comes well okay now what and and this is you know where we go to the church or the temple or the synagogue or the mosque or you know wherever we go to find that that connection and that spiritual grounding that we innately crave so once we get through the surrender part the big question becomes you know now what and and that's you mentioned you know how difficult the Bible and other scriptural writings can be because they they are a story, but they're not a novel mm-hmm. and they've been recorded you know over millennia over thousands of years by different writers and different recorders, so it's not like reading a novel where everything you know kind of connects at least in the next chapter right. and it can, and this is a you know what forces a lot of people away from religion is that i don't understand what i'm reading and you know the the names are odd and the places are odd and and the it's just such a jumble you know and we we get frustrated and say well this isn't for me right. you know and that's you know that that's where the perseverance part comes in yes <laughs> we've got to keep after it and find you know it's interesting a lot of people ask me well how how can i read the bible i've tried and i don't understand it and yada yada i say okay try this get a red letter version that like king james is one and read the books of matthew mark luke and john which are the gospel books in new testament and only read the red letters only read what christ Himself said." You skip everything in black. You just read, starting in Matthew, just read all the red letters all the way through John. And if you'll do that, you will have two things. Number one, you'll understand who Jesus was, what was happening at his time, and why it was important to people then and to us now. Mm -hmm. And you'll have the basis of a connection where you better understand you know, what your life is all about. And if you go no no further than those four books and just read the red letters, you'll get that foundation. And then, you know, if you're interested, you can take it from there. But at least you'll have an idea of what's going on and, and you can do it real quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's good advice, by the way, especially for, for someone Thanks. who wants to have some sort of understanding, right? Someone who's looking for something, yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. So before we had a conversation and, and you were telling me that you and your wife are starting to follow some of my videos, let's talk about that for a second because I appreciate that.
0: Well, as I said, you know, you, you're kind of the Jack LaLanne I grew up with. And uh, he was sort of the first uh, physical fitness guru where you could do the exercises at home. You didn't have to have a lot of equipment or any equipment, really a, a chair and a mat would do it. But uh you reminded me of him and, and as we started to you know talk about this program, I started following your videos and I thought, okay, well this is at our ages um, as seniors, my wife and I need that regimented but not excessive exercise mm. routine. And so we've We've started following your series, and um slowly but surely we're we're getting warmed up
1: nice. so you you know it, it's it's funny because the the videos don't tell me necessarily who's watched right It doesn't tell me you know that branch and his wife were watching, but the fact that you did and the fact that I've been finding out other people who have been watching my videos. And they're like, yeah, I follow you. I, I watch your videos all the time. I'm like, wow, you do. So it, you know, sometimes the the actions that we do can impact other people without us necessarily knowing. So why did I start doing those videos just for that reason? To help someone get started, to help someone make it that change in their life that they know they need to do, but maybe they're not doing it. And and doing it in a way that it's it's easy to do it's going to impact your life if you look I do anywhere from three minutes I started with three minutes go all the way to nine minutes and then I restart so every seven days it's a new restart and if you only even followed for two days a week you're at least moving and that's my whole motto if we eat we need to move right if we breathe we need to move So movement to me is everything. And thank you for for sharing that and letting me even share it on my own show. Because if you and I can make an impact, that little one thing of that action that we take that can impact someone to change their perspective of how they live their life, then we've done our job.
0: Exactly. Exactly. You know, you you said so much again in such few words. Uh, it's interesting. And our bodies and our spirits are alike in this way. You know, you can be so out of shape that you can hardly breathe. And yet, if you start and, and do it consistently two days a week, three days a week, you know, a month later, all of a sudden, your body has changed and is getting stronger and healthier. Our spirit is the same way. The more we involve ourselves growing physically and spiritually, strengthening ourselves, both of those start to show big results in in a relatively short period of time. Mm -hmm. And the other thing you said is also, you know, most important. You and I are both on a journey that's about sharing and trying to help people take the blinders off and see that change Is not only inevitable, but it's good, and you can be part of that good change. Um, We live in a world, you know, with so many demands on our time that it's easy for us to say, "Well, I'll I'll do it tomorrow," or "I'll get Mm. to it," you know, in my New Year's resolution. Again, both physically and spiritually, it's easy to put it off, and yet the benefits that we can start to reap so quickly that can help us become healthier mentally, physically, spiritually. If we just carve out that three minutes, that nine minutes every day and invest in ourselves in that way, it can change our whole perspective and our whole, you know, how we look at things and how we receive information.
1: You know, so many people stand on the line waiting for something. And a lot of people stand on the line for coffee. They stand on the line for fast food, even if they're, you know, maybe it is fast food, but sometimes there's so many people in front of you that you may have to wait five minutes, eight minutes. So if we can take that amount of time to get fast food, which is actually going to in a fast way harm us, shouldn't we take a few minutes to do something productive for our mind? in our body, and you even said it, if we take just a few minutes, right, for our spiritual growth, and I'm not talking religion, I'm talking about our growth in here and our growth in our heart, that we can make a difference in our world and the world of the people who we're around, because taking that, those few minutes is going to make an impact and it may not make an impact today, but the compounded impact it will make is huge. And you said it, if you do it a couple of times in a month, by the end of the month, right? It's like if you take $3 twice a week and you put it in an envelope and you don't think about it a month from now, how much money are you going to have? And if that becomes a habit, and all of a sudden, it's a habit, and you don't have to think about it. It's all of a sudden. Oh, it's Tuesday. I got to put three dollars in my bucket or or in my basket or whatever it is. And every Tuesday and Thursday, you do this thing. It becomes a habit. You don't have to think about it. It's all of a sudden. You're you're opening up a Bible, or you're opening up the Quran, or you're opening up any scripture, and then it's without thinking about it. It's just automatic. If you all of a sudden you say, you know what? I need to do my workout. Look, three minutes is three minutes. It's going to change you. So if it's three minutes to, you know, do a workout, it's three minutes to read a book, it's three minutes to read a scripture. It takes less than three minutes to put $3 in an envelope so that you can save for your tomorrows. But if you make it a habit, it will impact your life and it's not going to necessarily do it today but your actions today will benefit your tomorrow, right?
0: Yeah, consistency. It's, you know. Yes. We make make choices and every choice has a consequence. So the better the choice is for us in our own interest, the better we can decide ahead of time, you know, is this helpful or is this harmful? Then we get an automatic picture of the consequence. Mm-hmm. This is one of the powers of, of having that spiritual connection, is it allows us to see the future. And people always say to me, "Why well, you can't see the future. And I say, yes, you can, because you've, you've seen the past. You know, you know how you behaved in the past that's led to a certain consequence. Right. Now, This is so important in our relationships, especially our family dynamic." Because these are the people that we profess to love and care about the most in our entire life. And yet, this is where some of the greatest abuse takes place in our life. Mm -hmm. And if we are the abuser, then we are the abuser by choice. I'm sure there's a lot of things in our background and in our upbringing that may have fed into that. But our behavior and our actions towards the people in our lives is changeable right Mm -hmm. the way we behave is a choice and its its foundation is in how we've behaved in the past and so if we want to make a change in our lives that has to be a choice first of all and and you said it. it has to be here and it also has to be in our heart it has to be something that we desire greatly enough or enough to actually put into action you know, it's easy for us to consistently be the same person that we've been. Uh, I, I love when people, you know, give me the excuse. Well, that's the way I've always been. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I say, really? You know, especially in a relationship situation. Uh, that's how you behaved when you were dating. That's how you behaved when you were courting. You know, don't tell me. Mm. That by abusing someone in your family, by abusing your wife, that that's how you behaved when you supposedly fell in love. Right. So that's an that's an excuse. That that's trying to blame your choice of behaving on something or someone else. And we need to really look at who we are and how we respond to the people and the events in our lives. And. We need to realize that we need to be better, we need to do better, and we can become different people but to to become a different person, I've got to have balance in my life, otherwise it's too easy for me to use that excuse that's just that's the way I've always been right. right i I was that way when I was a kid, and I was that way you know when we met, and I'm that way now, and that's a lie because we know it's not true, so we have to choose to become better people and of course again you know the world doesn't want us to make that choice it buries us under layers of stuff wanting you know material goods and and items and i want to be you know at the top of the ladder and, and all of these things of the world kind of kind of direction and motivations and and we can all look at our lives and see instances where we are ashamed or embarrassed by the choice that we made and the consequence that we had to go through. The sad thing is so many people won't or can't break the cycle and they find themselves, you know, in terribly desperate situations, economic, social, religious, political. Right. They're in a situation where they are mired you know they're like in, in quicksand, and it's sucking them down. It's sucking the life right out of them, and they don't know how to respond or how to change it. Right. And change is possible, but we have we have to want to make that choice. And when we make those better choices, we will get better consequences.
1: Oh, I totally agree with that. You know, I, I think it's you, you're talking about being honest, right? Because if we continue to lie to ourselves then we are going to continue without the same actions, right? You're going to repeat, it's going to be Groundhog Day because you don't understand that your actions, if you continue them, it's like a habit. A bad habit will always be a bad habit. And a bad habit is not easy to get rid of for a lot of people, right? But a good habit can replace a bad habit but we have to be willing to make that change, that sacrifice. Sometimes it is a sacrifice to become better. It is a sacrifice to get rid of the people in your life who are continually keeping you under, right? And it's not necessarily getting rid of them in a negative way, but a slow push and a consistent push away from those things that are negative will let you see the light at the end of the tunnel that you think you were stuck in where you can come to the light, to the bright side, to what you were supposed to do with your life, which is be beautiful, right? To be glorious, to be amazing. But it's it's those bad habits that we continue to lie to ourselves about. It's that honesty. We have to be honest with ourselves. Every day when we wake up is, is this the best I can be? Or is this just the same I used to be yesterday? See, every day I wake up, I'm a a new sponge. I wrung myself out last night because I want to absorb new knowledge. I want to grow. I can't be that same guy I was yesterday. And, And that's one of the things I always try to express to my clients that we can't remain the same. We have to change. Because look, my hair grows every day. I get older every day. My skin, I even shed my skin. If you were to go with a microscope on my, my pillow, my bed, you would see my skin there. So this is why I have to wash my sheets. That's why I have to keep a clean bed yeah. so I can lay in a clean bed, right? Change is inevitable, but we have to be willing to do it. And so many people are afraid of change. I love change. Yeah,
0: I, so. I love it. Well, our, our choices determine our actions. Our actions determine our habits. Our habits determine our character. And our character determines our destiny. Right. And, you know, that's what you're talking about is change. Seeing the benefit of change. And, again, we, you know, we have so many people. In our society and in our world who, for whatever reason, refuse to change and life is short and it can't, you know, as we see every day, it can be undeterminably short. Something can happen just out of the blue and life is over. And, you know, our greatest pleasure is in our children, um, even as cantankerous or or undisciplined and unruly as they can be the love for our children is so great and i tell my children and my grandchildren you know i would be devastated to be living after this life and not have you with me mm. and that's that's the scariest thing you know that i can imagine is knowing that the the, the possibility of having life everlasting is is there and somehow they missed it Mm-hmm. So, my obligation is to encourage them you know to become spiritually grounded and to use that spiritual strength in order to grow so that they will have you know life here, a better life here, and life hereafter and I talk with people and I think the people that you care about and love the most who are closest to you in your life, you need to treat them with that importance. And you need to do all you can do to help them prepare to be with you and with each other, you know, in the life hereafter. If if there's a life hereafter, then that's where we want to be. And, you know, it's about change and it's about growth. And people have got to realize that change can be good, but you've got to take that first step. You know, you've got to be willing to risk Stepping out and making that change
1: yeah get out of your comfort zone right <laughs> exactly so many people are they're comfortable they're, they're comfortable and they don't want that that feeling of being uncomfortable of uh, this is too hard too hard to do it's it's difficult I don't want difficulty in my life but you know if 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 you move every day you you get used to it
0: it's the unknown, you know, we're afraid of the things we fear, what we don't know. And, and it's amazing how many people will remain in a miserable or an unhealthy situation because of that fear of stepping out of that situation. And, you know, we see this in abuse situations all the time where, mm-hmm. where people are afraid to leave. Um, because they're economically tied to that person or that situation, and yet the reality is you know we can live very frugally on very little if we will shed uh, that innate desire that's built up in us to have more stuff, to have more things. Um, you know that's what our goal is to make more money, buy more stuff and and have bigger and better whatever
2: you know mm-hmm. right, right?
0: how big can your house be how many vehicles can you have you know there's a there, there's a relationship there and as long as we're tied to the world that's our motivation and again too many times you know we sacrifice what it is we think we're looking for for the things that we have and we want more of the things we have um, you know, for all the wrong reasons, really, we, we've got to understand that we can live with less right. and we see people all over the world living with less. So it's it's a mindset, you know, it's a perspective, it's a choice.
1: Yeah, it is. It, it, definitely when we talk about perspective, right? It's, it's also sometimes that limiting belief, right? Um, so our perspective is based on our beliefs, right? What do we believe? Is it limiting or is it limitless, right? How do we live? What, what is that, that that we think we know? And do we know all, right? I don't think anyone knows all. This is why we, this is why we communicate. This is why we, we talk and, and we ask questions. And one of the things I always emphasize, and especially to kids and, and the other day, about a week ago, I said to a bunch of, I think they were five and six years old, and I said to them, hey, guys, do me a favor. And they said, what is it? And I said, never stop asking why. I said, people are going to tell you to stop. Don't. No matter what, always ask why. And if they tell you not to ask, you don't have to say it out loud. Say it in your mind. Why? Why, 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 why? And, and that is what we need to do all the time. Why am I doing this? Why should I do it? Why, why, why? And even what? Right. So you have your what and your why. What is the outcome of my actions? What must I do? What must they do? What must happen for me to do these things? So those two things are so concrete into what I believe, and a lot of people try to shush that down, to push it down. And stop people asking those questions which are so important
0: yeah exactly so so instead of promoting the what and the why the our world tries to tell us you know what you should compete be concerned about is what other people think right. of you and you know who you present to the world is that the real and that, that was sort of the, the key for me when i started that search for truth and i was you know, disillusioned by the person that I I had been,
2: Mm.
0: I thought, you know, I'm living my life with this desire to look in other people's eyes as, you know, this successful and competent and, and upstanding pillar of the community kind of person when I knew that I wasn't. And I had to then say, you know, am I living my life? for other people's image or, or perspective or perception of who I am? Or am I going to live my life for who I should be? You know, how how can I how can I abuse my family and declare, you know, to my business colleagues and to my clients that I'm this this other person, you know, mm-hmm. that conflict within spawns the seeds of all that stress and struggle and conflict without and that's a you know that's a hard and terrible place to be and try to live your life that way and yet we see it evidence every day in our lives with people who will not tell the truth you know the greatest thing about having spiritual grounding is it allows you to recognize the truth in your life whether it's in your home or in your community or in your nation or in your world. And once you recognize the truth, the untruth, the the fabrications and the lies are so blatantly evident that you can no longer turn away. And when you make that choice, you've come to a pivotal point in your life of who you're going to believe and who you're going to realize is not believable anymore.
1: Yeah, that is so, so much truth right there. Because it is the lies, right? That, that we keep telling ourselves. But once we, like and I said before, once we're honest with ourselves. Yeah. Because who's the person that we should be impressing every day? I always say I need to impress me. I don't need to impress you or anyone else. I need to impress myself. Am I happy with the person that's looking back in the mirror? Who's that guy? Who's that person? That's the person I have to make proud. That's the person who is alone in a room with me when I'm by myself. Who am I? That's integrity, right? Who am I when I'm in front of other people? And who am I when I'm by myself? Am I the same person? No. That's That to me is key. Well, Can I be, can I be the same person or do I have to live two different lives?
0: When we can finally be honest with ourselves, we can start to respect ourselves. Mm -hmm. And once we respect ourselves, we can start to respect other people and who they are and what they believe. You know, we all don't believe the same things, but that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm right and my way is the only way, and you're always wrong because you're someone else or you're and you know, an other, that's all grounded in respect. I don't have to agree with you, but if I respect you for who you are and what you believe, then at least we have a, a middle ground, a starting point where we can communicate in an honest and open way and maybe come to some resolution And find a solution instead of just, well, I'm right and you're wrong and, you know, I'm going to use whatever strength and might that I can muster to prove that I'm right and you're wrong. And so we have the world that we live in today with, you know, just terrible, terrible things being perpetrated on people in all cultures and every nation on the planet for selfish and diabolical and evil and corrupt reasons. Right. And yet, you know, people fail to call that out. And then there's the reason. Everyone has an agenda, be it good, bad, or ugly. Right. And too many too many, you know, too many people with negative agendas have have a lot of airwaves. Yeah. Anyway. It's no, no. it's an individual choice. We can we can, if I can be a better person in my family and in my community, then I'm doing what I should do, and hopefully that will spread. It's like you said before, you and I are in the in the job of touching someone who may be hearing us, and you know sparking that thought that they've had that I can be different. I can have a different. I can have
1: a better life. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and like I said before, you don't know who you're impacting sometimes, right? I mean, it's nice to find out once in a while, but even with your books, I mean, you don't know who, you know, one person may have bought your book and they put it down and you know, maybe who that person is who bought the book, right? When they put that book down, someone else who didn't buy the book, may just open it and read it and they go, holy cow. It impacted them. So maybe it did not impact yeah. the person who bought the book, but it could have impacted someone else. So we don't know where the impact is going to hit, but we do what we do. And hopefully one, even if one person gets impacted, yeah. and yeah. So tell me, tell me if you don't mind branch out of your 22 books, if you had to pick one book, that will be in existence forever? That one book, all the other books are going to fade away. They're going to burn or whatever, and no one else will be able to see them. What is that one book out of your 22 that you would like to last forever, for
2: eternity? My next book. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I
1: love it. The one... (laughs) the one to come is it the one you're in the middle of writing is it the one you're in the middle of writing or is it the one that is coming
0: um well that's a good question i i believe it's the one i'm writing but i hope it's the one that's coming
1: there you go okay so a never-ending journey for you i love it so you, let me ask you another question and you know i've had authors who've who who've told me how they've gotten their titles for their book. I had one author in mind, she had a dream. She said that God came and spoke to her and told her the names of her books. It came to her in a dream and it was so clear that that's what she had to name that book. And every book, every title she has is just, it's just like, wow, that was brilliant. And she goes, it was not me. It was not me. Yeah. So out of 22 titles, how did you come about them?
0: Well, most of my titles come from one of the selections in the book. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I write. It takes me about six months to, to write a book. That is to do the outline and, and you know, get the content and then i spend between 12 and 18 months editing Mm -hmm. the the triggers for my works are the things that i see and hear i'm a i'm a great observer you know if i have one god-given talent it's not writing it's observing and when i like if i go to a coffee shop or something i'll sit and i'll watch the people and listen to the people that i can hear and just watch their behaviors. And human behavior is very predictable. And because we're, we're you know, we're creatures of nature. So our, our nature is predictable. It's, it's repetitive. And so as I watch people or listen to their conversations, um, that usually will trigger for me some kind of a storyline. And then hmm. from there, you know, I'll write the story. And at some point in that story or in the process of editing the story, usually as I hone it and hone it and hone it and try and get a complete story beginning, middle and end in as concise and brief as possible presentation so that we, the reader is introduced to the character and to the scenario or the situation and very quickly Comes to realize what the theme or the lesson of the story is, and out of the story will come, you know, the title of the book. Mm. And and it, since I, I put fifty-two stories in each book, out of those fifty-two, there will be something that triggers for me. Okay, this is the title of the book. Like
2: nice.
0: reflections on Chrome is parking lot confessions, right? Mm. And hence the struggle is, is one of the titles. So somewhere in the book itself, in the content of the stories, the title will make its self-known.
1: Wow. I love that process, you know, and, and thank you for sharing that with us, because you know, you, you told us about the time that it takes you to truly write a book. And the process you go through, because writing it is six months and, and even the process of how a book comes about, um, a lot of people don't realize they have books ready in their mind. They just don't put it out. And for me, I think one of the things I probably have like over 50 books in my, in my brain. And so one of the things that, that has helped me a lot is journaling, right? Writing things down whatever i see i feel i i intuition all these different things writing them down because that allows us to kind of write our own story in a way that even if we don't put it out in a book form but we can reassess and and i like the fact that you said that editing takes you three times the amount of time that it took you to write the book because that's where the real process is Even when I do this, you know, we're having a a podcast right now and and I'm recording it, but I really listen to it again when I edit it. And I've had so many people reach out to me and go, oh, we can edit your podcast for you. And it's, you know, and I'm like, yeah, no, you guys don't understand. (laughs) I edit it for me. It is, it is my time to understand what's going on and the process and, and everything. And, and I enjoy that so much. So thank you for, for sharing that with us. What would you say is, is one of the things that you are, and I know everybody, whether they call it a bucket list or a to-do list or something they want to do before they, they move on from this life. What is that one thing that you would say you want to accomplish?
0: Wow, what a great question. I, you know, had mentioned earlier about my journey and this phase of it and the preparation, you know, that it's taken 35, 40 years to get to this point and all the different changes. You know, when I first started writing, my intent was to write for fallen away Christians and seekers and searchers. And as I got from the nonfiction into the fiction books, I discovered that I I wanted to write for a secular audience of readers who were you know looking for that little key to unlock for them you know what was missing, and so as I started down that path of the secular reader instead of the the religious or Christian or or looking spirituality reader mm-hmm. I discovered that my efforts you know were being rewarded but my motivation had changed and I wanted to try and blend the two the secular and the spiritual and I found that it wasn't working so I started to go more towards the spiritual again to the nonfiction and out of that you know grew this seed of where I'm at now and and now my focus is on the end times and mm. we it's my belief in studying for the last 5 or 6 years prophecy in the books of revelation and daniel and and all of the, the end time prophets ezekiel etc that my bucket list item is to alert those who are interested that god has told us either by promise or warning depending on where you fall on the spectrum that the time to become aware is right now right you know it's interesting that the end times can be scary and even the church doesn't address you know the prophecy books about the end times so much it's not in their best interest to educate their congregants that God has made these revelations and promises. So they avoid it. And as a result, you know, the people who have tackled it have been the people in cinema. Mm. You know, we've got a lot of movies and stuff about the rapture and the antichrist and the second coming and these kinds of events that are foretold in biblical scripture. And most people know, you know, if I say those four things rapture, antichrist, second coming, right. 666, Mark of the Beast. They know what I'm talking about because they've seen a movie portrayal of it and how terrible it's going to be and, and, you know, how you survive or don't. The fact is, the depth of those four things or those five things are foretold that we will see evidence of them before they do happen. And so that's what my efforts are now, are focusing on sharing God's word about what the future holds for us. Mm. And my bucket list item would be to have people, like you said, I may not know it, but to have them realize that it's time to pay attention. The one thing they need to, the key is Romans 10, 9, 10, and 17. And if you know nothing else between now and the day you take your last breath, That's the one scripture you need to know and believe and practice. So that's my bucket list to the world is Romans 10, verse 9, verse 10, verse 17.
1: Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. Where can we find your books? Thank you for asking. Um, Real simple. I've got
0: a website. I've got a YouTube channel. There's lots of things posted there that you can read, like you said, in less than a minute. Mm-hmm. You can you can read some of my stories. They're all free. <clears throat> you don't have to buy anything. If you want to find out more about me, the easiest way is just to Google my name, branch like a tree, Isole I S O L E. I'm the only one, so you don't have to go through a lot of Google pages. Just <laughs> as soon as you put that in, it's going to show up and it'll give you all kinds of links to my writing, to my you know, interviews, my podcast, broadcasting, and everything that I've done is listed there. So that's the easiest way, but I appreciate the ask.
1: Awesome, awesome. And, and I know that a lot of people are going to want to go to, to your website and get all that information as well. Branch, thank you again. So much fun, and you've enlightened me. So thank you, and I look forward to our connection. Thank you. it been great. All right. Thank you, my friend. You have an amazing day you too. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with a new episode and a new guest. You can find all episodes of the Coaching Call podcast on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I ask that you please leave me an honest review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. I'm trying to keep this episode free of advertisements. Anything you can donate to the cause is greatly appreciated. To donate, go to paypal.me backslash Thank you and I really appreciate your help.